Welcome to Across the Bifrost. This is the Mighty Thor podcast. I am your host, Ryan Doz, and on today's show, we are still reeling from the fallout of Thor Love and Thunder, the big movie that hit theaters just a matter of weeks ago. And we got some questions we want to ask about this movie. I hope you enjoyed the review that we did uh, a little bit ago with uh, all of our all-star panel, our, our friends from all the, the, the nine realms of the podcasting world. I hope you enjoyed that review. But today we're going to zero in on a question that kind of thinks a little bit bigger uh, about the MCU and its current fourth phase. We are going to be talking about the question of how does Love and Thunder fit into phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How do the themes of that phase really get into Love and Thunder? How did Taika and the production team kind of synergistically connect these films? Uh, some people think it, it, it doesn't exist. I am here to try and convince you that it actually does. And on board the Biofrost today, you might think, oh, is Will back? No, Will's in Iceland. He's actually hanging out with Vikings this week, which is awesome. So Will's not on, on the call today. You might think, where's Faz today? Well, Faz is in Calgary, uh, of course, you know, where, where, where he, uh, he should be hanging out, I guess. You know, he's out there on the prairie hanging out with all the, the Cal Calgarians. I don't know if that's the correct way of saying that. But both of our regular co-hosts are out today. So... I brought in a ringer. I brought in someone who I talk to, I feel like on a, on a semi-daily basis. <laughs> I have a fantastic co-host joining me aboard the Biofrost right now. Tivis Sloan, welcome to Across the Biofrost, man. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for bringing me in. I am very excited for this uh, because you and I like get to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is like the biggest thing ever. And uh, I, I just wanted to uh, introduce fans and listeners to you right off the top. Um, tell us about like your, your fandom, your fandoms, and also your show that, uh, that I'm familiar with. So, uh, let, let, them all, let them all know what they need to know about you. Well, uh, my show is called uh, Operation Babble. It's just a general yes. pop culture show. Uh, my fandoms, you know, a uh, big Doctor Who guy. Uh, oh, not many people lead with Doctor Who, which I, I really appreciate. <laughs> I, I, I got, I know it's an audio, but I have. Uh, oh, dang. Bunch of big finish cool. stuff right here within reach. Uh, but I, <laughs> I also love, uh, you know, the, the Marvel universe uh i'm new ish to the con well i shouldn't say i'm new ish i've been into them for over 10 years i'm just right kind of still waiting around the kiddie pool in a sense <laughs> uh, a lot of the stuff no problem with the kiddie pool man <laughs> yeah. but uh, i love the movies uh just absolutely love everything that's going on in that which is why I was like, hmm, I think Tivis would be perfect for this conversation. Because um, on the show, we've generally skewed comics. But with the movie coming out, I was like, maybe there's people out there that like, they engage with the movie. And like yourself, they feel like they're waiting in the kiddie pool. Which like I'm a, I'm a dad of two. I perpetually hang out in the kiddie pool now uh, because my kids can't swim yet. So like I'm just I'm waiting around in the kiddie pool, and uh, sometimes you forget like oh man, the kiddie pool is actually kind of cool sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wanted your opinion on what our topic for the day because you don't have this overwhelmingly uh, deep and complex relationship with comics. So I think that kind of lends you to have like a fresher perspective about this conversation we're going to have today. So I'm just, but I'm just curious before we get started, because this is like a, a thing on the podcast, what was like your first introduction to Thor comics? Like, do you remember what comics you read first? So the comics, I, I'm trying to think, my very first comic was an X-Men, which was in the middle of an arc in the 90s and confused me. Uh, your your but, first comic was a mid-arc X-Men comic from the 90s? Yeah, I think a Rob Liefeld as well. Talk about getting thrown into the deep end without, without a life jacket. Good grief. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
it would probably be let's see i'm trying to think because i really got into comics when uh marvel unlimited came out and i started reading them from right. the early stuff that's on there so i don't remember if it was uh if i had jumped straight into avengers or if it was the um um oh my god you're i'm the sorry i'm blinking on the course? yes yes that yeah. so you went all the way back to the silver age yeah yeah i've i've read Ooh. up to actually issue 140 of thor um with Fantastic. the introduction of the growing man but i mean uh, that's a classic seminal issue that listeners of this podcast will all know i'm, I'm sure um <laughs> I, I, I think my first introduction to the character in general though might be the 90s uh cartoons right he would show up from time to time in those yeah i think um, he, was he a, i can't remember now it's been so long ago but was he a mainstay in the avengers cartoon uh i mean he was a mainstay in the uh, not in the united they stand one the united they stand one is really funny because they used all the secondary characters and yeah. it's like hey you you know captain america and hulk and 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 thor yeah we got none of those <laughs> but he would show up in like uh fantastic four he showed up in the hulk mm -hmm. show but then later yeah, on when one. when disney did the um uh avengers earth's mightiest heroes he was a mainstay there and then avengers assemble he was there man i would love to freaking talk about oh maybe, maybe someday we should just talk about like 90s and 2000s marvel cartoons i think that that's probably that's probably worth a discussion uh but no so your, your your comics knowledge is 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 limited which is just fine because like you said you got marvel unlimited you got the power uh, as dr audio octavius would say you have the power of the sun in your hands and when it comes to comics marvel unlimited fantastic they do not sponsor this show of course but shameless plug for them if you want to read any of the comics that we talk about on this show getting into our topic for today we're talking about the marvel cinematic universe specifically phase four now if you are new to uh marvel movies or you are more of a comic centric fan let me just very briefly tell you about what when we say phase four what we're talking about in layman's terms we're talking about every movie or series that has come out post avengers endgame uh, that, homecoming yes and, and uh well, hold on uh home no it was um not, home, uh, not homecoming. Far from home. Far from home. Yes. Yes. It's everything post Far from Home. Uh, so essentially, the big Infinity Saga is done. We've, uh, you know, Far from Home dealt with very little of the of the the fallout from that. But really, Phase Four is the fallout from the Infinity War Endgame circumstances that put most of our heroes through just an untold amount of difficulty and, and consequence. And we're, our conversation today is going to focus on phase four and really specifically a, a theme that was referenced by Marvel producer Richie Palmer in some recent interviews that he did around the release of Love and Thunder, where one of the main questions he talked about or that he, he gave an answer to was, what is the what is the theme? What is the the central uh, philosophical theme of this phase? And uh, we will include links to these articles that we're referring to on our social media channels if you want to go check those out. But his basic answer was, this phase is a fallout from Endgame, and it deals with the themes of guilt and consequences. So, uh, Tivis when because we read those articles and we've kind of like talked a little bit about this theme when richie palmer says hey this phase is about guilt and consequence what like immediately comes to mind when you think of the phase four that we've already gotten and maybe what's ahead what we got uh what we've gotten so far under that umbrella of guilt and consequences uh i mean there's a like it, so much i'll be honest yeah when i when i first saw that article uh i i kind of just face palmed because it because you know we've been talking for how many movies now about you know wh where is this all going what's going because right. they usually have had themes in the past for each phase and, and it's like what is this one and after he said that it's like it was so 
glaringly obvious. Uh, but uh, you see in, in Black Widow, you know, uh, the consequences of her history, uh, it coming back to catch her. That's like the main plot of the film. You see it in uh, Shang-Chi more so with, or Shang-Chi, sorry, uh, with his dad. Right. Uh, let's see. I'm I mean, forgetting what order these movies came out now. No, because next you would have Eternals. Eternals, yeah. Eternals, Which, like really their whole thing is guilt and consequences because mm-hmm. they've existed for hundreds and thousands of years not doing anything because of their mandate to only deal with deviance. So like they have this internal guilt of like, we could have done so much more. Yeah, but we were held to this standard of nope. If it doesn't involve deviance, we don't mess with it. And then finding out the truth of that stuff. Uh, yeah, the the big, the big uh, how do we say uh, celestial truth of that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. And even with uh, um, uh, no way home, uh, you know, you see the the. It, it's like a. That one's kind of a seamless continuation of Far From Home, I feel, with the, the consequences and stuff. Right. It blends. Uh, like you could watch those movies yeah. literally into each other. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's uh, Doctor Strange. You know, there's a, so many in that one. <laughs> and so many different characters have their own version of the guilt and consequences fight. Yeah. Because in Multiverse of Madness kind of bringing it to the, the the Disney Plus series we've gotten, Wanda, Wanda is kind of like, this feels like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tivis, like phase four is Wanda's phase. Like Wanda has been all over this phase thematically. And she was, she was really our entry point into this phase. When yeah, it comes was. to, when it comes to that whole, um, you know, fallout from Endgame. What do we do now? But but not what do we jump ahead to? It's more like how do we process what just happened? In that that big cosmic cataclysmic event. Uh, one thing, and we can like we can dig into this a little bit more specifically. What I really appreciated about this phase and and Richie Palmer saying that this is what the phase is about, because as you said just a minute ago, you're like, what's the theme of this phase? The theme of this phase is that we're not, we're essentially not done with phase three. And and, and what I loved about how they approached um, this from a production and development thing was, we're not just going to jump ahead. We're not just going to jump ahead to the next big bad, because essentially we're starting over. We're starting from uh, from from ground zero of you know we all this destruction has happened, and it actually makes so much sense that they would take this time and develop these characters after trauma has happened. I know trauma feels like a huge part of this phase, and uh, yeah, like what do you think about that? Like that the whole the the slow rebuild mentality of this phase so far i i i think they've been doing a really good job with it uh, it's just like you said it's, it's all these characters dealing with just uh, even if it's not directly related to endgame with past stuff coming back uh, maybe not even past with some of these more like uh when we were thinking you know uh spitballing uh yeah these consequences and stuff between these films uh you know some of them i could pick one or two but the most recent two you know dr strange and thor there's so many and i mean even in the tv shows you could see it uh it's harder to find in the two more you know introduction uh shows with moon knight and miss marvel but i i do believe they are there I, i you know Moon Knight and Miss Marvel may not be overtly about the fallout from Endgame, but essentially we live in a world now where the snap has happened and everyone knows about the snap. Um, it's it's part of the the it's part of the story's internal zeitgeist. 
Mm-hmm. That like you cannot get far from it. Um, and even if you look at those characters more uh, introspectively on their own, Mark Spector and Stephen Grant, that literally their whole psyche is changed by trauma and and guilt. And, and yes, it's, it comes through with DID, but also like there's consequences to him being Moon Knight. And with Kamala, she feels guilt that, you know, she has these powers and she's going behind her, her parents' back. And like, there's a lot of conflict there. So yes, she's dealing with her own version of guilt and consequences. Um, let's dig into Love and Thunder specifically. So sounds good. Cause that's why we're here, everybody. That is why we're here. Tivis, I just, before we kind of like bridge the, the themes uh, and we talk a little bit about what Taika has said about Love and Thunder and his intentions for the movie. And, you know, combining that with what Richie Palmer and the development group have uh, set the course they've set for phase four. What did you think of the film? Let's just talk about like, the the film uh you know uh what what you walked away with from from the movie so uh you know i i've said this many times to a couple different people i didn't enjoy it as much as ragnarok but i think that was by design because you know it, it has a lot more heavier uh themes in it and elements and some that you know personally you know i i I don't know if you've had any family members with cancer, but I have had a couple, you know, uh, that theme hit really personally for you. I, I wouldn't say as much as it did others, but I definitely know what it's like to see people go through that. Um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put it like this because it sounds bad, but I mean, knock on wood, it's no one, you know, in my immediate family, it's more extended, okay. but it's still people, you know, I, I I've grown up, I've known. And right. so I've seen how it affects their lives and stuff. And so I, you know, it, it's hard to have fun with a story. like that. But, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they did a really good job with it. Uh, overall, it was enjoyable. I, you know, I liked it. So, so yeah, I think you are where most people are. I, I, you're honestly, you're where I am. And, and I think um, one thing from the review that we did last week, um, you know, we brought in a, a pretty MCU savvy crew. Um, they'll love that I said that. <laughs> but then, and we had one, uh, Brandon was kind of our outlier. Um, the guy, the guy didn't like Endgame. And like, Brandon's a good friend of mine, but he is, he is bat crap, banana pants, crazy. Um, <laughs> Brandon, I love you, man. Uh, so uh, that, but that, I think that take is probably the most common of fans that are movie fans that are MCU fans, probably not that are comic book fans. That's probably not the most prevalent um, that's probably not the most prevalent viewpoint, but what, what were some of like, you said it was kind of a difficult movie to be like, oh my gosh, this was, you know, the, a, romp, a, a romp. It was so much fun. Did you have favorite parts of the film that uh, maybe like uh, you enjoyed more than, than others? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Jane, first off. I think just Jane in general took the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> calm down, big guy. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how they were going to handle her character. Cause uh, I, I haven't read the run myself, but I know of it because, you know, I've hung out in a comic shop. I, people talk. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's, it permeates those, those old books and the action mm-hmm. figures, you know, there's there it's in the air when you walk through a comic book store. Yeah. And I, I, I've heard like people praise it for so long and how they handled, you know, I was wondering, are they going to go with that in the movie? And yep. Right off the bat, right. Into right away. It. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we literally joined Jane in a chemo treatment. So, so yeah, that answered the question right away. So I, and her acting, I think was great. Um, just, just uh, trying to uh, be, you know, she, 
we see Thor, you know, he's uh, kind of boisterous and, and loud. And oh, she's yes, he is. not so much, that but she's trying most to. Of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that just any scene with her pretty much well, just t- I- t- goes to the top of the pile for me. So let me let me make an assumption about because uh, because you've been around fandom for a long time. Were you a Star Wars prequels kid? Yes, I was. So when like when I remember when I saw the first Thor movie, I was like, what is Queen Amidala doing in here? Like what she? No, no. OK, like she's got to do more cool stuff. And finally, we got a movie where like Natalie Portman gets to completely cut loose and she actually gets to, you know, she gets to fight, which is nuts. Like, And she got in like we should devote a whole episode to how insanely in shape Natalie Portman got for this movie. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Um, so really enjoyed Jane. I think mo- I think most uh really enjoyed jane uh you man you gotta read you gotta read that run because when you read that run um there will be moments where like she literally tries out catchphrases oh the- that was straight from the cut okay That's- so like she tried like literally her first uh her first fight when she fights the frost giants she literally is like ah, i gotta come up with something cool to say i gotta come up with something cool to say and then she comes up with something she and then like wow. her her internal thought bubbles like oh no that was stupid <laughs> like that's like, so awesome it, it is a it is really it is a really fun run of comics and if you're a listener right now and you're like hold on i want to know more about these jason aaron comics well we've been doing a whole jason aaron retrospective this whole year and we are gonna like i think we're gonna wrap it up in november so we've still got a few more a few more components to go and in a few weeks we're actually going to do the next part of that jason aaron retrospective so to this and all of you listeners who want to know what happens to jane in the comics that is a great place to start but my shameless self-promotion aside let's talk about how love and thunder fits the theme of the stated theme of the fourth phase for Marvel, as said by uh, producer Richie Palmer, the guilt and consequences theme, the fallout of Endgame, everything kind of reeling from this big universe, universe spanning uh, circumstance that the Avengers and uh, the Guardians and all, even like just common people are going through. So Love and Thunder, it, you know, essentially it is a story about how Thor, uh, Thor is uh, off with the guardians. He finds out that this guy is going around killing all these gods, he finds out that the Asgardians are next. And now the Asgardians are on earth. He goes to earth, meets up with Valkyrie and a new Thor who is revealed to be his ex flame girlfriend, Jane Foster. They go on an adventure to rescue the uh, kidnapped Asgardian children from said madman, Gore the God Butcher, who is trying to trick Thor into following him so that he can get a hold of Stormbreaker and open up a gate, a doorway to eternity. Why does he want to go to eternity? So that he can basically get one wish granted. And that wish is that all gods will die. So that's kind of a, a footnotes version of the movie. But Tivis, I want to know your thoughts first, man. And then we can kind of just, you know, ramble and, and build the conversation off of this. How do you feel Love and Thunder added to that theme of guilt and consequences that we've gotten as the fallout from Endgame and the theme for Phase Four of Marvel's cinematic universe. Uh, a lot. That's that's. <laughs> I mean, right what, off the like, bat, like the one that jumps to mind initially, like the the big one. Well, Gore. Like Gore is the first one that comes to mind. Just okay. A lot of things involving him. Uh, you know. Uh, how he devoted his life to these gods and end up losing everything um the the god itself uh choosing, yeah choosing not to uh, actively choosing not to help right that is an interesting point like he, he like he's like oh no i could but i won't because there's more of you so yeah uh it's a lot of uh you could even say when he took the children from asgard that came back to bite him in the butt. 
<laughs> yeah. It's like he wanted Thor to follow him and Thor followed him <laughs> and it yeah. led to what it led to. Uh, just a lot of it centers around that character. I mean, we open with him, so it's hard not to immediately go straight to him. Right. But, uh, also, you know, you got Thor uh, still still dealing with, well, possibly still dealing with his inability to stop Thanos immediately. Uh, which is the setup for, which is really the, uh, you know, after the initial battle and endgame, that is the setup for Thor's character moving forward. Uh -huh. uh, the uh, or what what people have so uh, so generously called Fat Thor, or uh, I prefer Lebowski Thor. Um, but uh, yeah, like that's I literally watched that scene yesterday with my kids because they they think Korg is really funny, and I agree yeah. with them. Uh, so they wanted to watch more Korg, and I, I wanted to show I wanted to show them the scene where Korg's like Thor, the guy's on here again. He called me a dickhead. <laughs> Yeah, he's playing Fortnite. <laughs> yes, and then Thor, Thor, of course, says the line. He's like, "Hey, if you don't jump off this game right now, I'm gonna fly over to your house. I'm gonna come down to that basement you're living in." I feel like a subtle nod to all the nerds, and he's like, "I'm gonna rip your arms off and shove them up your butt." <laughs> My daughter laughed for about a solid minute when Thor said he, he was gonna shove someone's arms up their butt. But that is a that's a great scene because you really do see that not killing Thanos on the first try is not something that Thor is just coming back from right away, which yeah. I think is a good choice because if all of our heroes just get over stuff right away, are they really things, are they really concepts we can relate to? I don't think so. Hey there, friends. Hope you're enjoying this episode that you're listening to right now. Just wanted to take a moment and remind you that we do have a Patreon. You can, just for a few dollars a month, join our Thor core over on Patreon at Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast. Our Patreon page allows you access to early episodes, bonus content, and it gives you a way to have input on what we do here in the show. So, for just a few dollars a month, go join the Thor Corps today, and we would appreciate your continued support. Follow the link in the episode description to become a member of the Thor Corps today. Now, enjoy the rest of this episode. Yeah, we see that in a couple different forms with Thor. He mentions how he distances himself from a lot of his friends, I mean, he goes right. off into space with a brand new team, tries to insert himself into that team. <laughs> In some hilarious ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that team also, I mean, in that short, brief amount of time, we still see that you know, they're dealing with some of the stuff right. that happened in Endgame, especially with Star-Lord, the way he comes across, there's no way that wasn't intentional with right. what happened with Gamora and stuff. Right. I agree. Totally agree. Um, one thing um, that I think, and we'll get to Jane and, and, and Valkyrie, because uh, I think Valkyrie has a cool guilt and consequences uh, oh, yeah. line that's been prevalent since Ragnarok. But with Thor, I, I just want to re remind people of one thing about Thor Odinson. He has lost so much, almost everything. When we meet Thor in the first Thor film, he has a mom, he's a dad, he has a brother that he's really contentious with. He has an entire kingdom of people that are looking to him at, to be that next heir apparent leader. He goes through his hero's journey, which really, that is like, Thor is one of the most easy characters to identify the traditional hero's journey uh, from uh, just as a narrative storytelling device. But he has all of that. And by the end of Endgame, he doesn't have a dad. Uh, he doesn't have a mom. He doesn't have a brother that he knows of. Asgard has been destroyed. And Thanos has attacked all of the refugees. He doesn't have Mjolnir anymore. He doesn't have Jane anymore. He literally loses everything. He loses everything. And then... At the end of Endgame, he flies off 
away from the Avengers because the Avengers are essentially they're not they're not what they they, they will never be what they were before because of Tony dying and Cap you know aging and you know early uh, Hulk Hulk is not a, a leader type uh, there's it, there's it's a fragmented Avengers at best but he flies off so he's he doesn't have his friends anymore Thor has lost everything and it's important to remember when he attacks those refugees that wasn't with the stone he just those half that ship that were killed they're not coming back you know he could have lost friends loved ones you know these are the people that you know he's supposed to protect so all that's a great addition that is a great addition thor is because if you ever like look up like strongest characters in the mcu thor is probably going to easily be in the top three no matter what, however you want to like, you know, whatever you want to say about Scarlet Witch or uh, Iron Man or Captain Marvel or Hulk, like Thor's probably going to be in the top three. One thing though, Thor may not be able to die. Thor may not be, uh, he may be invincible. He may be, uh, you know, un undefeated when it comes to these, you know, big, huge battles, but that doesn't mean that the people around him can't die. That doesn't mean that, that, the things he's meant to protect, like Tivis just said, can't still be harmed. So basically what you do is there, there's this immovable object, which is Thor. And then everything around it is constantly moving. Everything is dying. It's coming to life. It's dying. It's, it's being destroyed. And at the beginning of Love and Thunder, I want to bring us up to the beginning of Love and Thunder with those thoughts to kind of really set the contextual tone of how we're introduced to Thor. He doesn't really want to be a warrior anymore. He like he's a warrior essentially when he needs to be, but he's not what he used to be. Nor should he be. Like he's not what he he's not what he used to be. Uh, and I think that unlike some people, um, the humor that he uses in this film sometimes it's over the top. Sometimes it's campy. Whatever. That's my personal opinion his but what i want to talk about here is his use of humor i find interesting because how many of us when we deal with traumatic life-changing things i don't know about you tivis i get really weird around death i get really insecure around hurt and trauma and maybe this is just thor's way of trying to cover up all the hurt and all the loss he's had to deal with all the failure that he's gone through uh, I think that we enter back into Thor's story at a very interesting point. Mm -hmm. I love that he wasn't just like, okay, you know, it's, and of course he says it in the movie, like it's a ah, classic Thor adventure, but yeah, it's, but it's not classic Thor anymore because Thor is so different and he's so changed. Um, oh, yeah. But how did you feel like they carried those themes into, into this movie? Not and trying not to forget like what this character has gone through in so many films. I think they did it, you know, perfectly, honestly. I mean, we even get the line of uh, he tried to meditate, but it just made him angrier. I took that as his thoughts. He doesn't want to be inside his own head right now. Who who would? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to, you know, it's, out of all the characters we've seen, he has had the craziest arc, honestly. And, and, who could have suspected going way back to phase one that Thor is going to be the one, you know, the, the movie that got mixed reviews somehow. I don't know. I loved it, but. Uh, <laughs> let's not, let's not start that fire with gasoline right now. <laughs> no, no, no. The, but just how it's, it's a story that how you can't help, but have it touch your heart. Just witnessing and feeling and seeing him react to it and i think they brought that into this movie you know his, his deflection with humor his you know it's uh, totally subtle deflection. comments yeah well and you even see it with in a let's kind of into a microcosm a microcosm within this movie mm -hmm. his relationship with mjolnir yes his relationship with mjolnir this is a, the hammer that was destroyed by Hela at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok, which as a fan, I'm sitting there like, uh, okay. 
what do we do without, you know, his one thing? It's like taking away, you know, thematically, not literally, because Thor is still powerful without it. It'd be like taking Cap's shield away at the beginning of a movie. It'd be like taking Tony's Iron Man suit away at the beginning of a movie. The thing that the thing that like really personifies them is taken away. So Thor Ragnarok had to kind of reimagine him, which was really interesting and, and cool. But now the beginning of Love and Thunder, Mjolnir's back. Mm-hmm. A, 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 a memory of something that Thor once had, but lost. And now it's back, but it's not his anymore. And of course, we go through kind of a, a miniature hero's journey in Love and Thunder, and then the hammer is returned to him at the end. But his relationship with the hammer is one of, of trauma because he remembers everything that he's lost since then. And it, like Mjolnir is back and it, it's so familiar to him. It's a memory of a better time in his life. And the same thing with Jane, his whole, re- so let's talk about you and I, we're both married guys. We're of course, relationship experts uh, by extension. Our wives might uh, disagree, um, but, but like, let's talk about that relationship. Now, one comment that I have heard about this movie is like, oh, it's like a rom-com. I was like, well, first of all, I freaking love rom-coms. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm there for that. But the romance in this movie is so interesting because when we left Jane in Dark World, they had just saved the world again from Malekith and the Dark Elves. And, you know, we really weren't sure where things were going to go from there. We get a brief little reference of Jane in Age of Ultron when they talk about like, oh, Jane's off, you know, becoming a famous astrophysicist. And we see a reference of that in, in the movie. But then there's that scene in Love and Thunder where we see how they we see the beautiful parts of their relationship and we see the slowly growing apart aspect of their relationship. Um, two things about that scene. I love when they're rollerblading with Mjolnir. That is hilarious. Fight oh, yeah. me, anybody who disagrees. Second, <laughs> I love that Thor's, the, 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 the seed of Thor's growing apart with her is that he's afraid to lose her. He's afraid to love her so much that he will lose her someday um, like he's lost everything else in his life. You have to wonder how much that was sparked by Loki's comment of, you know, you're going to outlive her. Oh, that's a great, great pull quote, man. Like, like no no matter how much Thor loved her, he was not going to be able to stop her from dying ever. So I, I just like, I, I love their relationship. Was there anything from that relationship, Tivis, that you were like, man, that really fits the theme or like, I, I really loved how they approached them being exes, but also like still loving each other. They, they love each other very much. Um, yeah. That relationship dynamic, what's, what stood out to you there, man? Uh, you know, I think it got pretty, uh, like, clear that they still had feelings for each other once they the get kiss to did help uh, well yes <laughs> but when they got to um i'm blanking on the name but the 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 world of the gods or what omnipotent um, city yes omnipotent city uh, and they're walking you know they just arrived they're walking down that path together and just talking and reminiscing and you could see the embers rekindling yes yes <sighs> It's so good. And then when Valkyrie is like, is like, is there a little like something, something? And he's like, no, 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 we're, we're in the past. And like, I love, I love how, like you were saying earlier, I think this is one of the things that I really want to remember from this conversation moving forward is to interpret Thor's use of humor as a deflection, not as a, like, I'm trying to be Mr. Jokester funny guy. He's deflecting. He's, he's tr- like, he's using it as a way to not think about all the traumatic things that have gone on. And also he probably wants to get back to that time where we remember in Thor one, where he's, he's the gregarious, you know, really fun loving, like, ah, I smash frost giants before breakfast kind of guy. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I definitely got the sense that anytime him and uh, Jane were talking, it, his demeanor changed he became more genuine yes well especially at the end let's talk a little bit about that scene in the hospital at the end uh, because 
again, we're talking about, on this episode, we're talking about how this film fits into the overall theme of phase four, which is guilt and consequences. Taika also has said that this movie was not intended to be a serious film, but it does talk about themes of love and loss. So we, we just talked about the love part of this, yeah. the loss part of it. My, I think my favorite line of the movie is when Thor and Jane are in the hospital and Jane is gaunt and she is pale and she is she is dying and we are meant to we are we are we are supposed to see her in those kind of last those last good moments and thor says you know well i'm going to i'm going to go uh, i'm going to go kill kill a god butcher and then I'll, I'll i'll rescue the kids and i'll be right back and he kind of puts that wall up again you can right, see it it's it's totally a wall he's totally deflecting the seriousness of the moment because because he may be talking about the adventure he's just about to go have, but his mind, his heart is there with Jane because Jane says, you know, like, you better come back. And, um, and, and I may be jumping ahead in the scene, but then Thor says, it's you, it's always been you. And I'm sitting in the theater, I'm like, that is why this movie makes sense to me. That is why the movie makes sense because he, he, wants, he wants what he had again. He wants that love that he had. He wants the familiarity again. He wants the companionship. He wants the relationships. He's yeah. lost so freaking much. Yeah. And, and oh, go, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go you ahead. You go ahead and finish your thought. No. Well, I was okay. just going to say that that line hit so powerfully for me because who of us, who of us has lost something and just begged in our guts to have it back? Like, and truthfully, at the end of the movie, Thor doesn't get Jane back. He had her back for a moment. He had that love and that, that companionship and that closeness back for a moment, basically a day or two. And then he loses her again. He, 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 he loves her and he loses her in the beginning of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the first few phases. Then he, he, he rekindles that love for her and he loses her again. This man, again, this, this God man, the, the, the Hemsworth Thor has lost Jane again. And I think the power of that, the power of that mirroring is really profound to me. And it's all summed up in the line that Thor says, you know, it's always been you always. I, I love that line so much. And I think it, it's, it's punctuated by the power of that mirroring with how he loves and loses her in the beginning and he loves and loses her in the end oh yeah in your review you asked all of them if they could come up with one word that they felt described the movie and you know the one word i thought of when i heard you guys saying that is heart you know uh, this movie has so much going back to the the theme with jane like we talked about thor the stuff with jane as well i mean you see uh consequences you know our uh, loss uh actions and consequences all that wrapped up you see the love between them creating an enchantment in that hammer because right. you know i mean thor has the odin power in him even if you know he we see doesn't that use it often <laughs> yeah yeah uh and then leaving her he regretted that decision you could even see that a bit in age of ultron uh, right. i felt uh you see it uh when they get back together he sees her for the first realizes who she is jane <laughs> yeah he's like you're back i have to replay that so well <laughs> it, it wasn't even just seeing her in the asgardian out it was just seeing her her yeah he could he didn't have time to really like you take in the oh my gosh she's me now like she's doing my thing uh man so so oh go ahead go ahead i'm well i was gonna continue it again uh with her you know the cancer the using the hammer drains her body because it's infusing her with the magic which is weakening her instead of letting her natural immunities take over or natural immunity the, the body do its thing 
Right. Um, which you know, his love accidentally kind of accelerated this process, which is tragic in itself. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, they're really they really have a lot of the guilt and consequences throughout this. Yeah. Not only not only in their own individual ways, but also in their relationship. Mm-hmm. What you know, for a brief moment, they're able to imagine to think what what could have been. More importantly, what should have been. Yeah, if, how much if, time was lost? Right. If Thor could have just let go. If he could have, if he could have let go of trying to control the outcome of situations, of 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 not trying to be the god, and if he just could have been the man to to love her, who knows? And if Jane wouldn't have kind of done the reflection of him doing that, and if they wouldn't have distanced from each other. How could that story have been better? And of course, we're talking in the films. We, we know why Natalie Portman wasn't in the movies, but bringing her back in, I thought they did a good job of trying to juxtapose how it, it could have been and how it ended up and how they actually, they give a good conclusion to their story together. Yeah together whatever shortcomings or expectations there were for jane as the mighty thor or thor you know continuing in their trajectories i think if you talk about the 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 the, again the microcosm of their relationship it ended the most poetically it could have and the 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 next the kind of the the way i want to like continue this conversation to its conclusion is how are we going to see this theme continue because phase four is not done yet and we've got you know we've got more more tv shows we've got more movies but how do you think uh how do you think love and thunder is going to um kind of the themes permeate kind of the rest of this phase this phase four the the fallout phase is what i'm calling it well let's see what do we have next she hulk i could imagine um knowing her origin in the comics if they go that direction that could easily fit that theme because we know that bruce banner is going to be in this show yes and 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 like bruce bruce could have stopped stuff at certain times so i have a feeling we're going to see how bruce and the hulk are going to deal with this topic yeah yeah um then after that we got what uh man three Oh, Wakanda Forever, yeah. I'm real curious how that one... That one's a big question mark for me because not really much is known about it. No, with all the production issues it's had and stuff, it's uh, and I, it's hard to say. We know that Namor's in it. That's yes, kind of it. But I know I agree. But, well, in Wakanda, one thing, you know, talk about guilt and consequences branching over from the real world we're gonna have to find out what wakanda looks like post chadwick boseman post chala um we're gonna have to you know also uh who knows how much shuri is gonna be in this movie um with kind of the 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 uh the conflict between her uh between leticia wright and the studio Mm -hmm. um and yeah, like Wakanda is going to look very different. I feel like Wakanda is going to feel a lot different um, than that first movie because Chadwick, I mean, whatever, you know, it's funny. It's funny to kind of posthumously talk about someone's acting ability because you always kind of inflate how good of an actor they were because he died tragically. Like he, he literally was dealing with so much um, leading up to his un, unfortunate uh, passing but Chadwick was the heart of that movie. Yeah. You know, and Michael B. Jordan came in. He was the, he was the, the force of the movie, but that movie is Black Panther is just so good. And I just wonder what Wakanda forever will look like their own consequences of not having one of its, you know, figureheads. Oh yeah. That's, that's another, you know, if you want to go meadow with some of this is a lot of consequences, you know, behind the scenes and stuff that has led to, 
quite a few changes but you know just sticking to the movies though i don't want to go too far beyond (laughs) yeah i don't want to get i don't want to get super sad here yeah Uh, we got ant-man 3 after that and uh it's you know there's some style you know we'll see how he reacts after end game i'm sure there's going to be some fallout from that but also loki i i know it's filming now but season two probably going to drop around there because right similar themes (laughs) and and we know we know because of ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and loki season two kang is coming and we like i don't know if it's been like officially said like if kang is the big bad of the of the second saga he he's definitely a big enough deal for him to warrant the thanos treatment uh but we know kang is coming so tivis let me hit you with this last thought and maybe um you correct me if i'm wrong or uh you uh whatever go go with your heart on this one uh when do you think we'll see that that obvious turn towards like we're not dealing with fallout as much anymore we're not dealing with guilt and consequences we're headed into this new this new story this new territory when do you think that will happen i personally think it will happen around that time you just mentioned with quantum mania and loki season 2 focusing more on kang but you correct me if i'm wrong uh what do you uh, think I- I'm not so sure because we also have the Marvels, which I don't know what's going on in that. But if you haven't finished Miss Marvel, do that. Uh, you know what? At the <laughs> time of this recording, I have not yet. So for our review, don't worry, everybody. I'll listen to it before the review. I'm, I've got my schedule figured out, kind of. Um, but OK, so the end of Marvel, the end of uh, Miss Marvel is which, kind of a clue. You know, we got three characters in that are going to be a we got right uh miss marvel carol danvers and i always get her is it photon monica rambo monica Ram- what was her her uh, uh alias Fo- i think i think they're going with photon photon okay i she was I, i've always marvel. second guessed myself yeah 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 she was uh, she was the first if you don't count marvell <laughs> yeah right 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 um and she was uh for for those of you that may not know monica rambo was uh was an avenger at one point so fun stuff we um, haven't seen her since wandavision so we'll right. see how, what's going on with her i uh, i did you know there was there was only two characters in wandavision that i appreciated seeing more than than monica rambo uh randall park as jimmy woo again fantastic mm-hmm. and oh have you seen the meme of someone saying that uh john krasinski was actually in the marvel cinematic universe before multiverse of madness where and it's just randall park as uh, asian jim in the office yes. <laughs> i freaking love that so much uh but then uh darcy darcy showing up in wandavision was awesome yes. so um i, I gotta rewatch wandavision I just realized I was thinking the same thing. I gotta rewatch <laughs> WandaVision. Uh, uh I, I don't know what all shows are coming in the next because they don't they only reveal what's next a couple months yeah. in advance. But you know, we're ending the phase with Fantastic Four, possibly and it just lost its director, but that's all about you know uh yeah. guilt and con- you know consequences and actions yeah. and stuff. So it's I don't think that ant-man's gonna be the end of it i think possibly blade which is supposed to be the first phase five film might be Woo! <laughs> uh mahershala ali is amazing like have you seen uh have you seen green book his movie uh, no Michael mortensen no i haven't i'll have to oh, add that to my gosh. list he i think he, he got nominated for an academy award for it he is spectacular um anyway blade speculation aside tivis thank you for joining me today man uh tell the oh, listeners oh, of across oh, the oh, oh, oh you wanted to talk about valkyrie do you I want to do that real quick talk about valkyrie um i think valkyrie's uh story of guilt and consequences is kind of it even goes back to ragnarok where um you know she's the last valkyrie so obviously she carries the weight and the guilt of being the it's 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 survivor's guilt 
she's the she's the one that survived so she's the one that has to carry the memory of what happened but also she's the king of asgard now so she has different responsibilities she can't just be this warrior badass all the time uh so she lives out that that story of like she's she she wants to be what she used to be but she has to be what she is right now does that make sense yeah did you have any other thoughts about Valkyrie before before we um, wrap up? I mean, besides the obvious of her losing, you know, uh, the person she cared for, as well as all of her, you know, fellow Va- uh, Valkyrie. I don't yeah. know how to say that in plural. So Valkyrie, Val- <laughs> Valkyrie, or I don't know, whatever. I'm sure yeah, someone will but, correct me. <laughs> uh, you know, just seeing her as king, you know, she's like, yeah. I-, I want to do this, but boy, is it monotonous. <laughs> <laughs> to be in charge i want i, so, I want old, old spice commercials all day <laughs> yeah like she jumps on the first adventure she can right so. right that's uh, i i agree i agree she's 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 rusty she needs to, she needs to exercise those fighting muscles um but tivis tell people where they can find operation Babel and um what you guys have going going on uh coming up well, Operation Babel right now is on a small hiatus. No, uh, the dreaded podcast hiatus. <laughs> well, our schedules are all up in the air and I'm about to leave town. So uh, unfortunately, we're taking a little bit of a break, uh, but okay. you can listen to uh, that anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, it's been through quite a few different phases. I wasn't an original host. I came in and then we lost someone. Uh they're still alive, but they're no longer. <laughs> uh, For those of you that were on the edge of your seats, like, did they perish? <laughs> so you were added uh, as like a, a second generation Avenger to the to the team. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I came in to talk with them about uh, the crisis, uh, Infinite Earth uh, crossover, and then they kept me. <laughs> wow, talk about talk about a simple thing to talk yeah. about. Oh, are you talking about the CW version of mm-hmm. Crisis? Okay, yep. I was like, because uh, Crisis in the comics, I don't even, I don't even want to attempt that one. <laughs> no, uh, just go listen to CGS and their very right, yeah, right. granular look at it. Uh, <laughs> Our friends over at Comic Geek Speak, uh, Ian and Chris, and oh gosh, that's yeah, they they do Infinite Crisis, so we don't have to. <laughs> Uh, you can also find video versions of that at uh, Mike Shrews, who is my co-host, who's okay. also the, the the producer and editor of our shows. Awesome. Uh, he's got it on his personal. And we also do a uh, a Munster-centric show called yes. The Munster Cast, which is an unfortunate name we didn't think about the consequences of before going with, because anytime <laughs> you Google it, you get the cast of the shows. <laughs> like It's not that helpful, <laughs> but it's what we have. And that one has its own dedicated YouTube. If you want to check out the video that we did a interview with the new grandpa monster, Daniel Roebuck. And we talked about his career and his, you know, uh, love of the uh, series and indie films and stuff. It's a great talk. If anyone's interested. Well, I, I mean, yeah, go check out operation Babel, even though they're on a hiatus right now, um, go check out their extensive backlog and then go check out monster cast. Do not go check out the cast of the monsters go check out the act or do if you want you know yeah yeah like if you're like me and you you know maybe like two things about the monsters go check out the cast and learn learn some stuff but then go listen to the podcast or watch them on video so tivis thank you so much for joining me today friends really I appreciate all the love the show has been getting lately. Uh, last week was our biggest week we've ever had, thanks to the movie. Uh, let's be honest. Marvel did some heavy lifting for us. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. If you, you had want- a stellar cast as well, if I could just interrupt shortly. <laughs> stellar cast for the review? Yeah, just well, all of you together, your ta- discussion, it was wonderful. Well, thank you. I Those are some of my dearest friends. And uh, who knows, maybe we can get you on a review of an upcoming show or thing. The review crew is alive and well, and I hope you like 
Tivis, you enjoyed our, our banter. Uh, that was a super fun episode to record. Um, much like the one you're listening to right now. So if you go over and give us five stars on iTunes, that would be spectacular. You can do that on Spotify. You can leave us a review. Tell us what we got right, what we got wrong, what, uh, what you're feeling about the podcast. We have a bunch of stuff planned for the fall. I'm just telling you, everybody, Right now is not the time to, to stop listening. You need to keep on listening because we got fantastic stuff coming up. We have, I'm not going to talk about it right now, but I'm just saying we have a massive project in mind for the fall and it's going to be a crap ton of fun. So until then, until then, I will, I will leave you with that small little tease. Uh, but until then, like we say on every episode of the Bifrost, uh, Across the Bifrost exists for you, the listeners. I hope that wherever you are listening, whatever you're doing, remember one thing, to stay worthy. Worthy.